Hello and welcome to The Quiz Kids from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. Here they are, The Quiz Kids, with the chief quizzer himself, Oliver Capel. Hello, everyone, and quiz kids. Here's your first question for tonight. Sir Isaac Newton first stated his third law of motion way back in the 17th century. In what way is that law of importance to our modern 20th century Air Force? I'll call for that answer after uh, we tell who's here. You quiz kids had an exciting adventure this week. And a little later in the program, we're going to let our listeners hear just what happened. But first, let's get busy with roll call. Pat? I am Patrick Owen Conlon. I'm 14 years old and a sophomore at Calumet High School in Chicago. Lonnie? I'm Lonnie Lundy. I'm 15 years old and I'm a junior at Main Township High School in Park Ridge, Illinois. Sally Ann? I'm Sally Ann Wilhelm. I'm 12 years old. And this fall, I'll be in 8th grade in Central Junior High School in Elkhart, Indiana. Mark? I'm Mark Mullen. I'm 11 years old, and in this fall I'll be in the sixth grade at the University of Chicago Laboratory School. And Melvin? I'm Melvin Miles, and I'm eight years old, and in the fall I'll be in uh, 4B, excuse me, 3A at North Park School, Chicago. Okay. Now, who has the answer to that first question? In what way is Newton's third law of motion of interest to our present Air Force? Lonnie? Well, I believe the third law of motion is the law of gravity. But I don't know how that would... No, that isn't the idea. Uh, Sally Ann? Well, uh, I don't know what his uh, three laws are, but I think one of them was something about jets where something shoots out and it has, well, where something, uh, if it's shot out the back, it'll shoot the same distance out in front, and that would have to do with the jets. I don't know the exact... Well, that's right. The exact... For for every action, there is an opposite and equal reaction, and that's the principle of the jets. Well, wonderful. A series of news stories this past week involved the names of three men. I'll give you the names of two of the men. See if you can supply the name of the third man in each case. The first two names are Kim Il-sung and Peng Tae-wai. Who is the third man? Sally Ann? Well, uh, they're the, um, the leaders that are uh, meeting in K-Song, and uh, the other one would be uh, uh, General Matthew Ridgway of uh, the United Nations Forces. Uh, the K-Song, I think, is the nationalist leader, and the other one is the red leader. That's right. That's right. The preliminary meetings are going on right now. And we certainly hope they lead to an early peace. Now, the next two names are Lawrence J. Corcoran and Denton Young. Who is the third man, Lonnie? That'd be Bob Feller, because both of the other two, until Feller recently pitched his third no-hitter, were the only two big leaguers to pitch three no-hit games. And Feller, when he beat the Tigers two to one on no-hits a week ago today, I believe it was, came the third, joined the other two. A week ago today. Denton Young. What, what did they call him besides... Cy. Cy, yeah, that's right. Say, many of us have a favorite lucky star. 
But suppose some people had a whole constellation that was lucky for them. What constellation would Lohengrin prefer? Sally Ann? Well, uh, in the opera Lohengrin, he was drawn uh, to Browben on a, by a swan, and so that would probably be Cygnus the swan. That's right. That's right. And... What, what constellation would Richard I of England choose? Melvin? That could be Leo the Lion, because he was known as the Lionhearted. Richard the Lionhearted, that's right. <laughs> and uh, what constellation would Romulus and Remus especially like? Melvin? That could be Gemini the Twins, because Romulus and Remus were twins. That's right. They found it wrong. Well, the people of ancient Greece might have been interested in going to Parnassus to see satyrs and the goddess Diana. But who today would be interested in Parnassus, satyrs, and Diana? Mark? Would probably be a butterfly collector because they are all butterflies. That's right, they are. All of them are butterflies. Of chief interest to sports fans this week seems to be the all-star baseball game being played at Detroit this Tuesday. Helen Westbrook is going to play three songs, and you are to identify a player in the starting lineup whose first name rhymes with the first word in the song title. Is that clear? All right. Here's the first song. up, and then he took it down. Don't you know the name well, of the uh, song? frankly, the song is very familiar, but of course I can't place the name to you. No, if you don't know the first word in the it won't title... won't help me very much, sir. Well, there are a couple more parts to it. Nobody else knows? That was Paris in the Spring. Oh, all right, Pat. Well, uh, <laughs> Paris in the Spring. You say that the first name of this ball player? Well, it almost rhymes. Almost? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's a perfect rhyme, but... Uh, Paris? Paris, huh? Mm-hmm. Well, we were trying to get you to say Ferris Fane. Oh, Ferris Fane. Yeah, Ferris Fane. <laughs> All right. The second one, please. <laughs> We have a couple of hands on that. Uh, I think Lonnie was first. Well, the song is Till the End of Time, and that, of course, would be, well, let's see, Bill Goodman playing right field for the Red Sox. Not in the opening line. Oh, oh, the opening line. Yeah. Uh, Pat? Well, let's see now. Uh, Uh, Till the End of Time, uh, (laughs) it'd probably be a Bill. Let's see. uh, Lonnie? Gil Hodges. Gil Hodges, that's right. Well... We have one more now. Let's have the third one. <laughs> I think Pat has this one. Well, that was Chico Tico on this one. I know it'd be, of course, Chico Carrasquel. Yeah, that's right. Side. Chico Carrasquel. <laughs> if most of the patients of a doctor were musicians and he wanted to speak their language in giving advice to them, how might he express himself? 
We can all get in on this one. Huh? Well, are you feeling any sharp pains he might any have? Any sharp pains? That's good, Sally Ann. Well, he might have to have a major operation. A major operation? Good, Lonnie. Oh. oh, you look a little flat to me. Look a little flat. <laughs> are you good, Melvin? Say well, he might say that you need rest. You need a rest, little bit of rest. Rest, rest. Good. Sally Ann again? Well, you might need a little bit more space between uh, pills. Or space? Uh-huh. you might have a pretty staff of nurses. Half of nurses, all right, huh? You could say he noted some nervousness in the patient. Yes, yes, that's good. Well, Alani? Well, you, if he was going to examine him, you, you could tell him to uh, feel at home, or in other words, feel natural. <laughs> all right, good. Well, I think that took care of that quite well. Say, at the start of the program tonight, I mentioned the fact that you children had an unusual adventure this week. Melvin, what adventure do you suppose I was talking about? Well, could, could it be when we went up in the blimp? Yes, it could. That's right, folks. Last Thursday, our quiz kids had the experience of going aloft in the century. A blimp piloted by Commander Werner Smith. That's an experience very few people have, and an exciting new adventure for the quiz kids. So we sent along NBC engineer Don Fitch to make a tape recording of their reactions and comments as they floated across the sky over Chicago. The trip was a bit too long for us to present in its complete form, so we've condensed the recording into 15 minutes of highlights. While we're listening, kids, we want you to think up some good advertising slogans appropriate for the blimp business. We'll call on you for them as soon as we've heard what happened on the trip. And by the way, kids, since this was a pleasure trip, your answers given on the blimp won't be counted on tonight's score. Well, we're ready to take off, so the next voice you hear will be Commander Smith counting noses. What is your name, Sonny? Melvin Miles. Well, as you, I told you before, I'm <laughs> Commander Smith. Glad nice to meet you, to Commander. You. And, uh... uh Patrick Hammond. How do you do, Commander? Hello. Mark Mullen. Hello, Commander. Mark. Lonnie Lundy. Hi, Lonnie. Glad to know you. And uh, Sally Ann, is that uh, your name? Yes, it is. Uh, Commander Smith. How do you do? And I want you, and when we start to take off, I'd like to have you tell the people something about how you think uh, the blimp takes off compared with what you've ridden in before, which I think was an airplane. Yes, is that yes, right? it was. <laughs> okay. And it wasn't very smooth either. It wasn't? Well, no. we're going to start here in just a few minutes, so I think maybe you can tell the people just about what you think of it. Here we go. We're up off the ground right now. Oh, it's, it's real smooth. It's float right up. We're going up a lot faster than we did in the airplane, though. Well, we're up just about uh, 200 feet now, and we're going about 35 miles an hour. Uh, we'll keep on going till we get up about a thousand feet. But uh, can you notice the difference now? How uh, things are starting to fade away as we're going up? Yes, uh, everything looks real small. It looks just like a, a doll, doll houses with little toy cars on the street. Uh, Commander, how high are we going to go in this uh, lift? Well, we'll fly a thousand feet. Civil Aeronautics regulations is to stay up a thousand feet above the surface. How big do these uh, blimps run? Well, uh, they just finished building a ship for the Navy, uh, just a little less than a million cubic foot to pass off. Oh, boy. Now, this one is 124,000, which is, you can compare that with what you have. Uh-huh. Well, 
Melvin, I guess you're one of the uh, youngest passengers to ever be on a dredge. How about telling us how it feels to climb up in the air in a dredgeable? The houses, as I say, the, you can see a few farmhouses right here. And uh, I imagine that it's a shame. If everybody would feel that way, I have a little funny feeling in my stomach. <laughs> I don't mean I'm getting sick. I mean, just the... Uh, well, we're not going up very fast, you know, and if you look out the window, you can see that uh, we're not up very high right now. No. So, uh, oh, oh, Mark, uh, what, what is your reaction here? You ought to be able to tell us something. Well, it's just, it's more or less like an airplane, but not as fast. Well, uh, how, how high, how um, fast are we going now? Well, we're only going about 35 miles an hour, and we're about 700 feet off the ground right now. Uh, Pat, how about you? What's your reaction to just Well, uh, frankly, uh, Commander, I haven't ever been up in a blimp, and I've only been up in an airplane once, but I uh, really think I'll enjoy this much more than that airplane trip I was in. Boy, that was, that was really something. Looks like Mark wants to tell us something here. What, what do you have to say, Mark? Well... But <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, it is different. Uh, flying in a blimp is a lot different than flying in an airplane. Uh, we don't have to rely upon our uh, static uh, conditions will take care of us. In other words, uh, you have the lift of the gas that will keep us up here. And, of course, the engines, they uh, supply the dynamic power to push us around where we want to go. So. Why don't you just relax and enjoy yourself and take a good look around and see what you can see. How about that, Calvin? Do you think that's a good idea? Oh, yes. <laughs> well, uh, you certainly can get a pretty good view of the landscape around here. Uh, how far are we going to go in uh, this little trip of ours? Well, uh, we're going in uh, probably over downtown Chicago. That's where we're headed for right now. And it'll take us about 30 minutes to get in there. Uh, I see Melvin has his hand up here. I imagine he wants to ask us some questions. Well, I see that the roads here don't uh, look more like little sidewalks. And I can't, you actually can't see the sidewalks from up here. I imagine it's very pretty flying in the evening. Uh, this uh, appears to me to be a very uh, difficult question. And uh, I'll try and ask it in a way so that you can uh, understand it anyway. We'll take the last initials of the composer who wrote the Balearic Concerto, the Hungarian Rhapsody, the Concord, Massachusetts Sonato, the Reformation Symphony, and the Love for the Orange. Now, what do their initials spell out? Uh, Lonnie, can you tell me that? Well, uh... Well, it'd be Blimp, B-L-I-M-P. Uh, uh, first one is Bach, and second is Liszt, the third one is Eyes, the fourth one is uh, Mendelssohn. And the last one, I guess you mean Love for Three Oranges, that's Prokofiev. Well, I certainly got a liberal education out of that. If someone would ask me that question, I'm afraid I would have said, I do not know. Is this a Blimp or a Dirigible? Well, uh, Mark, uh, a Blimp. Uh, it's just a nickname, and a dirigible means steerable balloon. So a dirigible could apply to the non-rigid airship, that's this type, or a rigid airship, or a semi-rigid airship. Mm -hmm. uh, Melvin, I think uh, you told me something about you knew about that nickname. Is that right? That's right. Well, I've, uh, during one of the uh, wars, I know that the British had 
of two kind of limbs, now called limbs rather. One was the uh, limb because it was a non-rigid ship, and one was the B limb. And then, well, just then, people started calling it limbs. Put them together, and they call them both limbs. Well, that is certainly correct. That's just exactly the way they got their name. But I certainly am surprised that you know that. Uh, Mark, I think you're uh, the one that uh, knows something about the flight of birds. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, I've given you a few pointers on how this blimp flies. Perhaps you could uh, enlighten me some as to how birds fly. You understand? You are, yes, a bird would fly more like an airplane. Um, the, when he flaps his wings, the um, pressure, the underneath pressure on his wings and his body up and also he's built very lightly his wings are i mean his feathers are very light and his some of his bones are hollow and there's air inside of them so that makes them lighter and the air underneath the pressure of the air underneath his wings holds him up well gee that certainly is interesting you must have done a lot of studying about birds to know all those things mm -hmm. uh, i bet when you uh, first read about people riding in a balloon you never thought that you'd get to be in one yourself. Can you recall any people uh, in literature who uh, rode in a balloon? Well, uh, in The Wizard of Oz, uh, Oz rode in a balloon. And I think uh, in, Win in, in, uh, in somebody in Winnie the Pooh rode in a balloon. Uh, also, you know that uh, the first passenger in a balloon was a prisoner. That's the uh, first passenger. The first balloon flight was made with a rooster and a goat. They didn't uh, want to take a chance on sending someone up. And the uh, next one, I understand, was a prisoner. Is that right? Yes. You knew that then? Fine. Commander, I understand that they've been experimenting with airships since as early as 1670. How long have you been uh, flying these uh, balloons? <laughs> Well, not, I know it's not from 1670, but... Not, uh, not quite that long, but I have been affiliated with Light of the Air since 1917, and I've been flying since about 1923, and I have about 16,000 hours, which is quite a few hours to be spent aloft. I see. Uh, are they trying to make any more improvements on these airships that they're working on now? Oh, yes. The uh, Navy is using uh, Light of the Airships for submarine patrol, and uh, yes, they do a very admirable job of that and it's just been recently that they completed a large ship just a little less than a million cubic feet and uh, comparing that with this one as i said before is 124,000. Yes. so you can see it's quite large uh-huh well i guess it does have a lot of uses in wartime and in peacetime huh well yes for convoying and uh, submarine patrol why they are ideal for that they are also used for uh, air sea rescue also <laughs> uh they're just getting a little uh, kick out of the ship nosing down we're heading back towards the field and uh, as I said before or maybe I didn't but the blimp floats in the air just the same as the boat floats in the water so you don't have to worry too much about how fast you run your engines you're going to stay up here anyway we know that now this big wheel in between the two seats here right next to you Melvin is the elevator control now you'll notice when I pull back on it the nose will go up when I push down the nose will go down and you'll notice my feet on a couple of pedals here, and when I push on my left foot, we go to the left. If I push on my right foot, we go to the right. Now, I'd like for you, uh, Melvin, to see what you can do on this big wheel here. See if you can make it go up and down. And don't be afraid to move it up and down. You think you can? I'll try. 
Well, uh, let's, uh... Oh, I don't, uh, oh, push it way over. Okay. What? No. <laughs> How are you doing all right? Um, maybe, uh, you might like to try this, uh, uh Pat, do you uh, want to see what it does when you push the wheel right. over? All right, I'll try that. Here, I'll see. Ah, I won't push it too far, Mark. Well, let's see. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think we ought to leave this to an expert, Commander. I didn't. Well, thanks a lot. I've uh, been called a lot of things, but I haven't been called an expert too many times, but I will take it back over. But you can see that uh, the blimp is uh, very simple to operate. You can't get into too much trouble because uh, you don't have to rely upon that speed to keep us up here. So uh, it's a little bit different. And now that we're approaching back at the field, maybe I should uh, let one of these uh, young fellows here tell us about what they think of the... Uh, terrain that we're passing over and uh, also maybe tell you something about our landing. How about you, uh, Pat? Can you do that? Well, uh, right now we're uh, passing over a body of water down there. I don't know exactly what it is. <laughs> and over there is a um, drive-in movie theater and we passed two others. Yeah, I know. That's very interesting. I <laughs> yes, and uh, there's lots like farm fields down there. I didn't realize how many just open fields there were around here. I thought it was more still houses in this part of Chicago. Now, which one of you can uh, find the airport for us, the field that we just left? Let's look around. Huh? Is that it down there? Uh, I think so. Is that it down there? Oh, I'm afraid that's not it. Huh? Let's see now. I ought to be able to recognize it. Maybe I recognize that drive-in theater as part of a landmark. I remember passing that. Let's... No, I don't. I'm afraid I must confess I don't see the airfield. I... Now, here's the compass, and you can see what direction we're heading. Now, you look at the direction we're heading and see if you can't pick out an airport. How about you, Lonnie? Can you see the airport? Yeah, I think I see it. Yeah, over there to the right, yeah. Uh, that's right, Lonnie. Uh, how about it, Mark? Is that it? Mm-hmm. Um, Commander, it's, I know it's against the law to land an airplane on a highway or street, but is it against the law to land a blimp? Oh, uh, yes. You'd have to get special permission to mm -hmm. land on any public thoroughfare like that. It isn't that you couldn't do it, but uh, you could, but mm -hmm. you want special permission when you do. Yeah. Commander, I believe you have to have a ground crew you were telling us before, so that would take a little bit... Uh, No, I think you're wrong on that. We don't have to have a ground crew to land. We have to have a ground I mean, to crew hold to hold us. That's, I mean, that's right. what I mean, to hold you down. But uh, we do have to have the ground crew to hold us down. And uh, if you look real close, you can see our ground crew down there starting to form for us now. Uh -huh. Well, Commander, before we land, there's something I'm interested in. How far has this has uh, has a blimp been known to go on uh, a single trip? I mean, it usually don't carry passengers, I know. But uh, how far has it gone? Uh, we had a ship in the Navy uh, that stayed up for something like 72 hours, and that was supposed to have been an endurance record. Yeah, that uh, was. What are those um, things that you're pulling down from the top of the plane? That is the uh, air system that we have to take care of the contraction of the gas when we go down by placing air in the ballonets, as we call them. That's what they're termed as pressure up in the ship and those directed either forward or aft will also take care of the trim of the ship. Uh, kids, we're uh, starting in for our landing now and uh, 
I'd like for you to more or less take over and uh, tell the people just what you see. In other words, uh, we're going in now. You can see that the crew is out there. So go ahead and tell them what you think of it. Getting right over the airport, and uh, the men are out to grab hold of the rope. They have a wind sock out there, so we can uh, land with the wind. And uh, we can see the uh, people out there. We're trying to spot our mothers and fathers, but can't do it yet. Well, we're just about on the ground right now. In fact, we're only about 10 feet off the ground, and we're just about on right now. Uh Well, kids, we can tell from that tape recording of last Thursday that you had a wonderful time. It makes a lot of us wish we could have been there. Now, how about those slogans appropriate to the blimp business? Who has one? Well, Lonnie. Well, I have a few here. Uh, don't be a simp. Ride in our blimp. That's good. For a trip with Pep, take a ride in our Zep. For a thrill beyond compare, take our blimp up in the air. If you want a thrill soon, take a ride in our balloon. A blimp is the spot for a trip that's hot. For a safe and sound trip, ride our smooth airship. Say, I think he's almost exhausted the possibility. <laughs> Pat? Well, if you want to really fly, a blimp's your best buy. And this is kind of corny. The world you can see in a B-L-I-M-P. Yeah. Uh, a smooth uh, ride is what you get in a blimp, and on that you can bet. You'll be happy by trying a blimp when you're buying, and you won't go limp in a blimp. Good, good. Sally Ann? Mine don't rhyme, but you might say our products go sky high, and uh, there's no hot air in our products. It's helium. Fine, uh, fine. <laughs> our products fly all over, uh, over all others, and uh, we fly through the silver linings of the clouds. Good, very good. And Mark? Well, um... For these um, draft boards for the Navy, they say, um, go, let's go Navy and see the world. So I have go in blimps to see the world, because you can really see from a blimp. Yes, you sure can. Did you have one, Melvin? Well, these aren't exactly slogans, but uh, I have one here, more or less a poem. It says, blimps are the best for me, because that's where I like to be. Good. <laughs> well, that's fun. <laughs> now, let's try this next, this next question about famous American painters. The sounds you'll hear should suggest who the painters are. Here's the first one. Oh, that was pretty close, Sally Ann. Well, uh, that would be James uh, McNeil Whistler, I think. Uh, he wrote, uh, I mean, he painted Whistler's mother. Yeah, that's right. Good. All right, here's the second one. All right, you guys. Let's clean up these barracks. And be sure you police up on the outside, too. Come on now, snap till your hair. I'm the double. <laughs> Pat has it. Well, now, I don't know if... Uh, I don't remember hearing of any painter by this name, but that suggests a sergeant to me. Oh, yeah. yes, and so you're right. A painter named Sergeant. <laughs> Do you know his full name, Lonnie? Uh, no, but he painted, I believe, the Hay... Hay something or other. <laughs> well, John Singer Sergeant. That's correct. Now, here's the last one. Let's have the last one. <laughs> Oh, that first sound was what you needed. I wonder if we could have that once more. All right. Lonnie? Well, it sounds to me like a bat hitting a ball. Yes, so what would that suggest in the way of a painter? Pat? Oh, that'd be Winslow Homer. (laughs) Well, that's right. Winslow Homer. Great. Fine. Well, 
If certain characters from Shakespeare came to live in the United States, they might settle down in cities that have the same name they have. Ah, well. <laughs> There's the bell, quiz kids, which means no more questions for tonight. The judges are busy adding up your scores now, and while they do that, I know you children are anxious to hear more about the war orphan of Europe that you're adopting. You'll be glad to know that your application has been approved by the directors of the Foster Parents Plan. But so far, all we know is that it will be a little girl you're adopting. We haven't found out yet what her name is, or her age, or what country she's from. Maybe it'll be a little fair-haired Dutch girl, or a youngster from Czechoslovakia who has found refuge in a friendly nation, or perhaps an Italian girl with soft brown eyes and no home. Regardless of where she's from, you children are sure to enjoy getting acquainted with her and helping her build a new life. You should know more about her next time, and we'll tell you more then. Now, children, let's look at tonight's report cards. Remember, whether you win or lose, you each receive the United States Savings Bond for your future education. As a class, you missed no questions this evening. Sally Ann was first, Lonnie second, and Pat third. So we'll expect you three back in class next Sunday to compete with Rochelle Liebling and Frankie Vanderplug. We hope we can count on all you listeners present in class next Sunday, too. Until then, this is Oliver Capel dismissing the quiz kids. Goodbye, kids. Bye, Mr. Capel. Listen to the quiz kids coast to coast every Sunday evening. And also see and hear the quiz kids television program on NBC. Consult your local newspaper for time and station. This is Bill Grisky speaking. Quiz Kids is a Lewis G. Cowan production. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company.